It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, I'm Andy Levy, former Fox News and CNN HLN guy and current cable news conscientious objector. I'm a former libertarian who now sits pretty comfortably on the left. Hi, I'm Danielle Moody, former educator and recovering lobbyist. But today, I'm an unapologetic, woke commentator on America's threats to democracy. And I'm producer Jesse Cannon, and I'm here to make sure things don't go too far off the rails. We're here to have fun, smart conversations with some of the most knowledgeable and entertaining people in politics, media, and beyond. Our goal is to try and make sense of our current crazy world, our new abnormal, and hopefully even make you laugh through the tears. Hello, and welcome to another bonus episode of The New Abnormal. Normal. We thank you so much for being here. Today we have an extra special guest with Matthew Auer, who's the Dean of the University of Georgia School of Public and International Affairs. And he's here to talk to us all about the economic impact of climate change on the lower and middle class. But first, let's have some fun. Are you guys ready to listen to some clips? Yeah, yeah clips. clips. Oh, yeah, you, you, you don't, uh, I guess you guys got used to be being a little nice about this and don't know that we're back to hell. Seamus, please put the devil's laugh sound effect there, please. <laughs> All right. Many have said the wind has been taken out of Mr. Trump, the former president's sales. He's much like a terrible band like the Eagles or something, mm-hmm. capable of doing anything new and only playing the greatest hits. Even when some of them die off, he just keeps playing them. And we're going to hear just how lazy and low effort he's gotten here. About it, they'll tell, they'll tell everybody who's giving me all that money. He's a compromised candidate. And I'll tell you something, out of respect for the office of president, I didn't talk this way five weeks ago, six weeks ago. I knew, I felt very badly about what was going on. I, but out of respect for the office of the president, I wouldn't have said the way I talk. He's a crooked person. He's a totally dishonest guy. So we'd say things, but, but we now, I even changed his name. I took it away from Hillary. We call him Crooked Joe. Instead of Sleepy Joe, we call him Crooked Joe. I retired it. That was a great day for Hillary. I, instead of Crooked Hillary, I said, we're removing the name from Crooked Hillary. Now we call her beautiful, beautiful Hillary. She's a beautiful woman. And we're giving it to Biden because he's a crooked person. But out of respect for the office, I would never have said that to this extent. And I never did. But now they indicted your president, your former president. Who's- I hate him so much. <laughs> it's like listening to this, my ears start to bleed. I just want to remind people that Donald Trump was in charge of the Justice Department for four years. And by in charge, we're supposed to have a separation, but we didn't under Donald Trump. He utilized his attorney generals like they were his personal attorneys. And guess what they found on crooked Hillary Clinton? Absolutely fucking nothing. Guess what they found on Joe Biden? Absolutely fucking nothing. And so this name calling and his quote unquote respect for the office of the presidency. Okay. Okay. Catch up. Okay. Yeah, I agree with all of that. But also, he's fucking funny. He can be very funny. And just the way he said that stuff is just 
He's so insane. He's so batshit that it just crosses over and becomes funny to me, even though it's not funny for the country. And, you know, he's a horrible, horrible person. But I don't know. I listen to him talk like that. And all I think is this is what they want. Like, this is what the Republican Party wants. This is the Trump they love. And he had kind of gotten away from this and he seemed kind of lethargic and whatever. And, you know, I've seen clips over the last couple of days. He did a whole thing with uh, about low flow showers. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was absolutely the, the, the amazing. Toil- Andy, don't forget that the toilets aren't working right either. Yeah, I know. But that's the shit that works for him. And if he would just go to the borscht belt in upstate New York and do routines on stage, like I would love. <laughs> <laughs> because he's got those mannerisms. It's just, it sucks that I think this shit is funny because ultimately it's obviously not. And I'm not trying to downplay anything. I, I'm assuming everyone understands that. But there is just something funny when he sits there and says, you know, now she's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Hillary. I mean, there's just something funny about that. As sick and deranged as he is. So I feel bad about this, but it's my truth. <laughs> I just really enjoyed, like, if you can listen to the crowd yelling, the send them to Gitmo, lock them up, and hang them all throughout that crowd. It's almost as loud as him, and it's everyone competing to say it, because that's where they've gotten these people to. Oh, absolutely. No, it's full on cult stuff. But it's like, but the, like, the shower stuff was incredible. Like, he is, like, he needs Andy Rooney's old job. Mm, 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 mm. Like, just throw him on at the end of 60 Minutes and let him complain about showers and talk about toilets and and whatever. I mean, that would be perfect for him. Well, it's nice that you're doing a LinkedIn for him now, Andy. Oh, no. (laughs) no. Maybe you could get the MyPillow guy a new job, too, since he's going to be out of one soon. (laughs) He's not funny. Uh, that's true. He's a, he, I, I watched like a six-hour election thing he did because I hate myself. It was hard to even laugh at. Oh, yeah. No, he needs to not be out in public, like by law. So here we have another person who probably shouldn't be out in public as minors, Matt Gates, truly assuming all of his cliche roles. The first of which looking like 2023's most hungover frat boy while he talks to Charlie Kirk, and two being Donald Trump's lapdog and plotting how to immunize Trump so he cannot be prosecuted. You can actually bring President Trump in to give testimony to the Congress and in doing so immunize him. Now, there's different forms of immunity that take place at the committee level, subcommittee level. In some instances, for full immunity, you have to have um, more of a supermajority vote. But if you had a supermajority vote of a committee, like Speaker McCarthy could set up a select committee tomorrow that could bring Trump in and immunize him. And then we could proceed with the very legitimate investigative work that we're doing of the Bidens and the corrupt DOJ. So, Unfortunately, so- none of those things are happening. Instead, Congress is is not in, in Washington, not assembled. And I, I think the timing is on purpose. No timing in D.C. is ever just, you know, a, uh, a mere coincidence. And so right as Congress is leaving town, right as we're walking away from our equities, you see this acceleration of activity against Trump. So, so yeah, let's be specific here, though. So immunize him from what crimes, even if he's under current indictment? Is that including even the obstruction claims and give us some examples of how this has been used recently. Well, it hasn't been used recently, but obviously we're aware of the ability for any person to plead the fifth. You can dissolve someone's ability to plead the fifth if you immunize them. And so Congress has this ability that's been recognized. It's even laid out in uh, 18 USCA 6002 and 6005 
if folks want to look it up. But uh, there you've got the ability to say, well, uh, we're hereby compelling your testimony. Uh, we're giving you immunity for anything you say to us and anything that that would lead to. And so, for example, if President Trump came in and said, I'm here to give you testimony uh, about the witch hunt, the abuse of criminal process that Congress has legitimate oversight equities to resolve. And if he were to say things to us, um, we could immunize him for that conduct that he were to discuss. Does it, does Again, it take a Oh, my God. Do you remember the show In Living Color? Of course. Uh, one okay. of the greats. One of the greats. And Damon Wayans had a character who was in prison. Yeah, Todd and, Jackson. And yep. he would read things and just yep. say words out of context, right? Yes, like, yes. I am defecating through this conjugation of this book. That's what the fuck Matt Gates sounds like. I could like literally remember like, like he tell, he's like, your honor, I would like to emancipate my proclamation. <laughs> my pro- yes, like that is, and that character on In Living Color was funny as hell. And oh, so, so ahead of its time because that is Matt Gates and the entirety of the Republican Party every time that they talk about trying to free Donald, free Willie, free Donald Trump from persecution. It's like, and, and people can look it up. Look up what? motherfucker you just made shit up what am i looking up <laughs> you're also pretty much admitting that he's guilty of all these crimes correct yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like you're sitting here basically saying hey come tell us about the crimes you committed and then we can immunize you from prosecution which i am not a lawyer i'm going to assume that's not true <laughs> just go out on a ledge i'm just going to take a guess and say that's not true feel free to tweet at me and tell me if Gates is actually right here, but uh, it doesn't sound like he is. Danielle, you nailed it. I, I have nothing to add. <laughs> that was amazing. I think even though the, the real funny thing is, so today Trump came out and endorsed this mm-hmm. because like, it's like, hmm, we always have to wonder if like they're in coordination because there was like that really good um, documentary on fundraising in Congress and it showed it happened to have like a little bit of covert footage of Trump coordinating with him. But I think this time it was like the lap dog wagging the owner. Yeah. This was actually like something some aide figured out. And then now he's like, didn't I do good? Can I have a biscuit? Yeah. Look at me. Look at me. Pet me. Pet me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we now reach the portion of our show where we showcase one of the truly unhinged right-wing people that people may not remember. Mike Cernovich, a man who got rape charges talked down to battery and is generally known as a massive weirdo to the point his nickname is Weird Mike. He thinks he knows how Ron DeSantis can reconnect with people, and he's got some advice for him. I said this a couple years ago. People thought I was crazy. I said, DeSantis, he needs to take ayahuasca. People are, oh, <laughs> right? All these just stupid, inferior people who try to tell me things. He doesn't have that dimension, that soul dimension, that spiritual dimension, right? That just, can you unleash? Can you, un- do you, can you unleash? No, he doesn't have it. Or maybe a big dose of mushrooms. He doesn't have it. <laughs> it's that, just that fire inside 
burning that you think is going to burn you up. I think people often think he's crazy. <laughs> I think those people are accurate. I yeah. do think, though, the smartest thing he's ever said was, <laughs> The other thing we're not getting the effect of is he's he's doing that right-wing car rant thing where he's sitting in the uh, front seat of his car, and oh, he's got God. bleached blonde hair as well, mm. which was not his old look. He's doing his own spiritual explorations. So basically, he thinks that Ron DeSantis, in order to connect with people, should take a bunch of mushrooms, go to Burning Man, find himself, his passions and his soul, and then come back. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Honestly, I don't, even so- that, I don't even think that would unlock him. But, you know, go with God. If I recall history, this is how Jimmy Carter took out Ted Kennedy. It's Mm-mm. like, you know, he, was, he went to that peanut farm, found some fungus, and was like, hmm, I got an idea. Oh, my God. Is sort of it still a thing? I'm actually asking out of ignorance. Yeah, he's still, like, a little okay. popular on Twitter. Like, he, right. he still gets attention on the right. He'll okay. get a Donald Trump Jr. retweet here and there since uh, I do monitor that account. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was just curious, and I went to check out his Twitter account, and it turns out I have him blocked, which may be why I haven't heard his name in a really long time. Yeah, no, unfortunately, he's still a thing. So Andy and I were texting the other night, and I was thinking about how at Fox, compared to CNN and MSNBC, you hear so much more about their personal lives on air, and that just slips out from time to time. Here we have one Jesse Waters, who, as we've played on the show before, had an affair with a staffer, let out the air from her tires so she needed a ride home, and recently joked about stalking a staffer. Well... Here he is weighing in on how to be a good boss. Because I question the competency of all of my staff. And it doesn't have anything to do with race. I'm constantly giving them the side eye. Like, really? Is that the best guest you can book? It has nothing to do with his race. Bosses question employees' competency. Get used to it. It was paid. If I'm the boss and my workers pull this garbage, this is what I do. I start garnishing wages. Mm. And then I start docking vacation days. And then you know what I do? I get my private security guards to go over to her house on a Thursday afternoon at three o'clock to see what she's up to. Maybe I find her at the mall. Maybe she's at TGI Fridays throwing back cocktails. Maybe I have footage of her trying on blouses at Ann Taylor. And then you know what I do? I give her an opportunity to be honest. I say, listen, were you working on the project on Thursday afternoon? And if she lies to me and she says, Yes, I was. I present her with the evidence. You were trying on blouses. You were knocking back cocktails. And then she says, you were following me? And then I said, I will waste my own company resources on frivolous, petty things like that. However, I damn well please. I'm the CEO of this company. And then she says, you know what? I'm firing an HR complaint against you. I said, you can't file one because you just got fired. And then you know what I do? I hire someone half her age and pay her half her salary. Yeah. And then you know what? She charges you with stalking and harassment. Woof. Yeah, the hinges were off on that one. Never a good sign when Janine Pirro is the voice of reason. (laughs) Like that, you know you've strayed from the light. (laughs) It's it's true. It was the trying on blouses that really like got me. And I was just like, oh, so you're a fucking stalker and crazy and got it. Yikes. Oh, yeah. He's very clearly talking about his fantasies right here. Yeah. The thing that struck me is he hasn't actually done this. This is what he aspires to be. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Well, he is just, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Some have called him the dumbest man on cable news. I, I think that someone is uh, quite right. <laughs> 
every every like every couple of days I get a tweet from someone. It's just it's a reply to someone else. And it's always like, yep, as Andy Levy has often said, he's the dumbest man on cable news. He really is. Legato rat. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When picking a commerce platform for your business, you have two choices. Or... I prefer. Don't you? That's the sound you'll hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling your business's complexity no matter how big you grow. Step up to Shopify and harness the best converting checkout and the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands like Rothy's, Allbirds, Brooklinen, and so much more. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate your products, orders, customers, and more from every major e-commerce platform to Shopify. If you're anything like me, you're one of those don't put me in a box people. Everyone who knows me knows. I'm a don't put me in a box person. And thankfully, Shopify never will, because with Shopify, control of your brand and business is always in your hands, from your storefront look to your back office operations. I hate when checking out from an online store and then having to pull out my credit card and type in all those numbers. A Shopify store remembers my shipping address and payment information. So if I'm on the couch and my wallet is on the kitchen counter... I don't even have to get up. Stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash abnormal. Folks, I am very happy to welcome to the new abnormal Matthew Auer, Dean of the University of Georgia School of Public Affairs and International Affairs. I want to start off with just getting your reactions. You know, I, I'm sitting here in New York and it was June when I sat and looked out my window and watched the sky turn yellow because of the effects of the wildfires that were having downwind from Canada. Now I'm sitting and watching on my couch as Maui 
goes up in flames as historic areas are absolutely demolished. And I want to get your reactions to what has become every year historic wildfire seasons. Yeah. And, you know, I think those two locations that you just mentioned, New York and Hawaii, are just not locations that come that are part of the imagination when we think about wildfire or what's downwind of wildfire like smoke. But it's probably something we should get used to. So considering that there have been many hundreds of fires in Canada in various provinces, for example, this summer, and the consequences of that smoke are in places that, well, most people just don't really think that much about wildfire smoke. And it's really, you know, had major impacts on everything from the uh, whether you can have school recess and be out there on the soccer pitch to real health consequences with people complaining about respiratory issues and going to the hospital. Same is true with the fires here in Hawaii. People just don't really think about that state as being wildfire prone, but they have wildfires really every year. And there are real issues there and something of a perfect storm for the one that we're seeing now. But I think we're going to just hear more and see more of these fires in places that we just didn't think about before. You know, close to a year ago, I guess it will be a year in September, you testified before Congressional Subcommittee about this issue, about the growing intensity of wildfires, but also the risk to the insurance market. You've done a study at the University of Georgia on this very topic, and I want to give you an opportunity to give us a 50,000-foot view as to the connection, the, the dots that need to be connected with the increased extreme weather that we are seeing weather events that we are seeing and how it is going to affect those that are middle class and low income. Right. So the research that, that we have done at the University of Georgia on this issue is really just trying to get a sense of if, if you think about different households and different incomes, what is their susceptibility to wildfire risk? And what we found is that a disproportionately large percentage of households that are in the way of, of wildfire, that are in high wildfire risk areas, are lower income. And in mm. some ways, that, that turns out to be not as surprising as you might imagine, insofar as wildfires tend to get started in rural areas. Mm -hmm. And in rural areas, you have comparatively more people who are lower middle income, working class folks, and, and lower income. So we weren't terribly surprised by those results, but it also made us think about other issues like the extent to which people are either underinsured or uninsured when it came to homeowners insurance. And that's, you know, that's a serious issue uh, and something that we've been keeping track of. And it's something of great concern in states, particularly in the American West and in the Southwest, so much so that the insurance commissioner in California is very wise to this issue and uh, has, among other things, when there are bad wildfire seasons, and there are more of those in recent years, he's declared moratoria in places where there have been declared disaster zones such that insurance companies are not allowed to non-renew or cancel a homeowner's insurance policy 
for someone who's in one of those declared areas or adjacent to one of those areas. That's helpful for people who, whether you're wealthy or lower income, but it's certainly the case that it's helpful for lower income homeowners in particular, because their choices when their homeowner's insurance is canceled or non-renewed, they just have less flexibility to find replacement insurance. And one of the things that you laid out in the report that you did was talking about the average annual acres that were burned between 2016 and 2020. And the states, the 14 states that you identified as being high risk for wildfires. And it was, we were looking at Arizona, California, Colorado, Florida, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas, Utah, Washington, and Wyoming. My question for you here is that your assessment is about the areas in which wildfires can occur, is what I'm assuming, where the brush, the vegetation can become increasingly drier due to the climate warming, winds, and all of these different things. The question that I have for you, though, Matthew, is this, is that we in New York here were affected by what is happening in Canada. And so when we talk, when you're talking about highest risk for effects, are you also taking into consideration or do we need to start taking into consideration not just the state and the areas and the counties that are at risk for fires to happen there, but what happens as a result of those fires burning in what can be seen as a hazardous radius? Yeah, it's a great question. And the research that we did was really looking at um, direct risk of destruction of of property uh, from wildfires. Um, So the actual fire itself, and we were looking at data coming from the U.S. Forest Service and from other um, uh, other sources, including from the insurance industry itself, as opposed to some of the things that you're getting at, which would include, well, you know, if I'm downwind from a fire, mm-hmm. I have, let's say, a business that depends upon conditions outdoors, ambient conditions, and those are suddenly damaged by, let's say I've got an, an outdoor patio and that's the main place where I'm serving meals. And all of a sudden, I, I just can't do it because it's of air quality, well, that that has a huge impact. And as I mentioned, kids, you know, little kids are in terms of uh, health risks uh, as they take more breaths per minute and they have little lungs <laughs> and uh, uh, it, it running around outside in really literally hazardous conditions with small particulate from fires that might be literally hundreds and hundreds of miles away. That's something we need to think about. And, to, you know, here's another sort of angle on that. Mm-hmm. Just think about in the case of Hawaii, you know, something like 90% of the native species there are endemic. So they really only occur there and there alone. If you think about it, that chain of islands is quite geographically isolated. In particular, plants there are not adapted to wildfire. So when there's a destructive wildfire, you have a real good chance of losing biodiversity. What's more, making things worse still is that over time in Hawaii, there's been a lot of encroachment of non-native grass species. This is also sort of a function of how that landscape has been managed. We can see it in other parts of the U.S. as well, including the lower 48. But there used to be a lot of agriculture 
in Hawaii, there's less of it. There are fewer pastures. There's less row crop agriculture, and that's less pineapple plantations and sugarcane. And sort of ironically, to try to promote the stabilization of soils on an, on abandoned pastures and farmland on purpose, non-native grass species that are fast growing were planted mm-hmm. like guinea grass, guinea grass and fountain grass. Now something like 25% of the Hawaiian islands are basically invasive species. Adding insult to injury, those grasses are fire adapted. So unlike the native vegetation, by and large, in Hawaii, which is not adapted to wildfire, the grasses are. So you get a fire, and then what comes back the fastest from a really destructive fire will be those same grasses. So they outcompete the native vegetation. So you end up with this kind of vicious cycle that just sort of gets worse, compounded by climate change and drought, in particular this past winter of very dry winter, a whole set of conditions have made the situation in Hawaii problematic. But that's true in many other parts of the U.S. And fires that take place, absolutely the case with some of the fires that took place in 2021, all the way west in in California, we saw smoke from those fires in parts of North Carolina. And you could, it was even visible in, in Atlanta, if you were in a tall building, you could see, wow, the air quality is not that good. Is that because of traffic in Atlanta? Well, some of it was from ordinary traffic in, in Atlanta, but a lot of it was actually imported from other states that were thousands of miles away. So you're exactly right about that. Because it's interesting to me, and, and this is something that, you know, by virtue of privilege, have not had the need to pay attention to, which was the air quality index. In much of the United States, the air quality is good, good to to moderately good. When we saw these, you know, the effects of these wildfires take place and you're seeing states where this is not happening or as it pertains to Canada, the entire country where this fire is not taking place and we were seeing air qualities like that were rivaling places like Bangladesh. And so when we look at those things, Matthew, I think that in your study, you were talking about insurance companies. And I just kind of want you to like take a mental walk with me because I'm also thinking about health insurance, right? Because when we're talking about, you know, air quality and it then at that rate, what we saw in states like New York and North Carolina and Michigan and, you know, where the winds were taking the tainted air is that it was toxic for everybody, not just for those that have a immunity risk. And so how do you think that this plays out if we don't make changes, how it plays out with our health insurance as well as the housing insurance? Yeah, right. No, you're exactly right. It it ends up having spillover effects to other kinds of insurance, to be sure. So and and to your point, your earlier point, but back there in early June, I can't remember if it was June 7th or June 8th, the uh, air quality index in uh, Manhattan was actually worse than in Delhi, if I remember correctly. Whatever day it was, it was the it was the worst in the world for like four days. Indeed. So. You know, let's think about insurance with respect to commercial insurance for the airline industry. Uh, what happened what, from an insurer's perspective, insuring those huge planes that are coming in and out of 
LaGuardia and, and Newark and, and JFK, they're actually wise to air quality issues as well. It's not as easy to land a plane when you don't have good visibility. It's not something that your mechanics uh, can easily deal with, with engines and soot. And it's a, so it spills over into all kinds of insurance, including absolutely into uh, health insurance. So, you know, when you take a look at places that have chronic wildfire risk, it will be interesting over time to see um, what the insurance industry does and how they think about premiums for let's say people in particular kinds of labor categories. So if I work outdoors and um, I tend to be in an area with very high wildfire risk, to what extent, and let's say I'm an insurance company and I'm thinking about this from an actuarial perspective, am I going to think about that with respect to how I uh, decide whether this person should get a term life insurance policy versus somebody who's who's the same age, has the same, currently has basically the same, let's say, decent health that somebody else has a few towns away. How is that going to work into the decision and into the premium consideration? Now, where the equity issue, of course, comes in here is that person who's the, let's say, the day laborer, the seasonal worker, uh, the person who is working outside, there's a decent chance that they are in a lower income category than people who are healthier and just better off and are living or working in a space with decent heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. So I, I think you're you're right on top of something there. To date, I think, for example, in California, with respect to insurance, the, the issue has been more pronounced and has come to the fore more, more so with homeowners insurance at this point than with health insurance. But uh, to your point, you know, let, let's stick around and see what, you know, what happens and, and how can we, you know, be preemptive uh, and think about ways to um, secure people's livelihoods and health who are more vulnerable. Yeah, because when you, you know, when we're taught, right, and, and uh, dare I say indoctrinated about the American dream, we're told that home ownership, right, is the way to move through economic classes, right? Like to be able to own a home. And that yeah. means the ability to be able to protect that home. And so it, it, it isn't, you know, I think that what I want for people to understand is that it, it isn't just the wealthy who are, oh, I, my waterfront property, you know, in, in Florida or, or, or this place that I have as a second or third home, right? Like we're talking about people who have put everything into this one place to build equity for themselves and their families and then insurers to turn around and say, well, let me tell you, if, if there is a weather event, you're not covered. I mean, just, you know, to put a fine, fine point on this, you know, tell us what happens to the low income folks who are not able to receive insurance. Right. So last year, and I think in, in some of the things that you're describing here, I think got more people's attention than it has in the past in, in the form of, uh, you know, when we see the, the headlines and, oh, OK, there's a fire that's affecting, you know, second homes in the Oakland Hills or something like that. It's terrible. It's frightening. There's property loss and people can lose their lives. Of course, in the camp fire, the, the fire that took place in Paradise, California, and a few years ago, there was considerable loss of life. Now, those folks 
I think that got folks' attention because many of those people were not uh, upper-income families. They were, in many cases, middle-income or lower-middle-income. Then last year in New Mexico, I mean, these were this is exactly what we were writing about. The Hermit's Peak Calf Canyon fires in New Mexico, you know, some of the counties that were affected there, the median household income, you know, was in the, let's say, the high 20s low 30s, uh, $30,000, high $20,000, 28 dollars $30,000. And for those folks to have their homes destroyed, we need to follow up. We don't know to what extent they've been able to rebuild, whether that was facilitated by uh, FEMA and other sorts of emergency funds. We think that might be the case. We, In fact, we're certain that is the case on an anecdotal basis because there was a disaster declaration in those areas. So FEMA funds flowed to those locales. However, if if I'm now thinking, okay, well, to your point, I now have, I'm, I'm back on my feet. I'm now getting a new job. I would like to build a new home. I'd like to build a home in an area that's been designated by my state as a very high wildfire risk zone. What choices do I have when, uh, let's say in the case of California, you know, three of the largest insurance carriers have said we're not going to write new policies, namely uh, Allstate, AIG, and, and uh, State Farm. In the case of California, it's true for uh, several other states, there is insurance of last resort. So that's something of uh, a lifeline. The problem there is that the premiums tend to be higher and it tends not to be comprehensive insurance. So it may cover your home for wildfire risk, but it may not, in, in many cases, it does not cover your home. It, it will not cover you for things like theft. It doesn't uh, help you on the liability side if someone has, let's say, a slips and falls on your property and wants to sue you. So that comprehensive coverage that most homeowners have uh, is not intact when you get that so-called fair plan or uh, insurance or insurance of last resort. And that's a really big problem if you're lower income, because whereas if I'm higher income, I might be able to get other policies that sort of I can stack together uh, along with the fair plan. And I'm paying a lot for it as I have these multiple insurance policies. It's just not practicable if I'm lower income. So it's just not an easy situation. And I don't really see it getting much better with these really big wildfire seasons. And I'm not even sure you can call it a wildfire season. I mean, the, the season now is approaching 360 days in, in some locations. So uh, there's just going to be more people in the way of wildfire as, as we move forward. And I'm Unfortunately, more people who just are, are not well-resourced. Yeah, well, Matthew, we will have to leave it there today, but I appreciate you making time for the new abnormal and for the study that you put together, because I think it's one that people need to pay attention to and be able to connect the dots into how this ignorance with regard to climate change is going to be costly. So appreciate you. Sure, thank you. Hope you enjoyed checking out this episode of The New Abnormal. We're back every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend and keep the conversation going. This podcast is a Daily Beast production with production by Jesse Cannon and Seamus Calder.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.